Rise and shine with the Word of God. Wake up Saturday mornings with a purpose. Tune in at 10 a.m. and join Antonia Roman as she sings and reads the Word of God. The Word of God will give you insight for the purpose in your life. Now here is your host, Antonia Roman. Good morning and come on in, come on in, come on in, come on in to uh, dive into the Word of God as we do every Saturday morning. Thank you for those who are joining us for the first time. We welcome you. And for those who've been our devoted followers, we thank you for continuing to be along our side as we continue to fulfill the call that God has in our lives uh, in doing the podcast and as well as it's with the hopes that it has impacted your life. So my friends, we are going to continue where we left off. We're in the book of Amos. And you know, we have been uh, reading along of how God was um, placing judgment on the communities and uh, what was happening and we're going to pick it up where we left off from last week. We're going to be in the we're in chapter 3 of the book of Amos. And we're going to start with verse 9. And this is what it says. Proclaim in the palaces as Ashdod and in the palaces in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble on the mountains of Samaria. See great tumults in their midst and the oppressed within her. For they do not know to do right says the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore, says the Lord, an adversary, excuse me, an adversary shall be all around the land. He shall sap your strength from you and your palaces shall be plundered. Thus says the Lord, as a shepherd takes from the mouth of a lion, two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out who dwell in Samaria, in the corner of a bed and on the edge of a couch. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, says the Lord God, the God of hosts, that in the day I punish Israel for their transgressions, I will also visit destruction on the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. I will destroy the winter house along with the summer house. The houses of ivory shall perish and the great houses shall have an end, says the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this word, Lord. This is constantly a, a warning to us, a demonstration here in this word, Lord, of what you were doing at the time of Amos what you were doing to the community, what you told them was going to be the consequences of their sin. And Father, may we learn from this example so that we would turn away from our own wicked way and be able to move forward into the destiny that you would want us to have and mostly in fulfilling the, the purpose you have for our lives, Lord, and especially in building up the kingdom. So we thank you for your word. Amen. 
you know, my friends, we've been saying for a while, this is some harsh stuff that, that the Lord was revealing to Amos to tell to the people. These are not soft words. These are very harsh words. These are words that are very direct, very um, confrontational, if you want to say. And most of all, it is God's heart of where he was at the time. Uh, because, you know, we know that our Heavenly Father has such a loving heart, a giving heart, a caring heart. And he wants the best for his children. We are all his children. He created all of us. But what happens is, like anything else, God has to come in and has to scold the children, put the children on timeout, <laughs> you know, uh, have a deep conversation with them and say, this is what you're gonna, what's going to happen. You're going to be punished. You're going to face consequences for what you've done. Uh, and this is what's going to happen. Just like a good parent, right, who loves their child. And when the child is doing wrong, they come in, they intervene, they uh, address the child, they have a confrontation with the child, and say, is enough is enough. You can't go out. You're not going to hang out tonight with your friends. You can't go to the party I allowed you to go to. You know, you, your curfew is going to change, you know. Matter of fact, <laughs> we're going to disconnect your cell phone for a while so you learn your lesson. Like, parents are coming in heavy too these days. And I hope they do because, and continue to do at that. Because parents are, you know, losing sight of their children. They're losing sight of what's happening in their children's lives. But for those parents that are still in your, in your, child, you're in your child's life and you're still pressing forward... And you want to make sure they're on the right track, we commend you. Uh, because this is the responsibility of a parent, just like our Heavenly Father has a responsibility for us. You know, many of us think that just because God created us, His job is done. <laughs> but that's not the truth, my friends. God created us, and He's always with us, and He's there to watch us, and He's there to nourish us, and He's there to be by our side. He's there to console us. He's there to help us in everyday purposes of life. And, you know, we cannot think that He doesn't continue to do the work of a good father who loves us. He always wants to do the work of a father. He always wants to do the work of being by our side and always helping us in our everyday life situations. He wants us to have healthy lives. He wants us to be nourished correctly. He wants us to follow his commandments. He wants us to always be understanding that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And in this uh, chapter and the previous chapters we've covered, we see that God comes in with a loving heart to give us tough, to give them tough love. And God does that still to, with us today. I don't know about you, but I know if I do something wrong because of my relationship that I have with my Heavenly Father and my anchor of Jesus Christ, if I do something wrong, I'm going to face consequences. You know, God is going to intervene and say to me, you know, you've done wrong in this area. You know, we need to fix it. We need to talk about this. You know, uh, if I do something wrong and I face consequences, you know, for just my own disobedience or my own selfishness, God is going to come in and be like, hey, I see what you're doing. I need to bring this to your attention. Do you realize what you're doing? 
You shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing things differently, you know. But a lot of us, my friends, we're constantly, we're constantly always just trying to achieve our own goals, our own things. We want to be on on our own pedestals. We want to be our own, you know, princes and princesses. And God did say, does say His word. We will be princes and princesses, but it has to be under His authority, not just under our own doing. So when it says here, when God continues to talk about the punishments, because we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, the punishments that's coming to Israel because of their sin, he's being very particular. He's being very precise. And he's also laying it down exactly what's going to happen. And when he says here, proclaim in the palaces as Rashad, at Ashad, and in the palaces in the land of Egypt and say, assemble on the mountains of Samaria. See great tumults in her midst, and the oppressed within her. For they do not know to do right, says the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. You know, God was being very specific of what he was saying here. Because he needed other people to understand and show and be witnesses to what would happen because of Israel's great sins. You know, even, uh, you know, there's times when people are committing a sin. They're committing treachery. They're committing, uh, they kill somebody, right? Let's, let's talk about today's day and age. People go and might rob somebody, right? They might rob them in, 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 in public or they might write, rob them in secret, right? Or someone may come and murder somebody, have someone murdered. And I know you guys are probably saying, man, why is she always talking about these things? Because these things are happening, folks. Wake up, smell the coffee. This is really happening. And people think that they're not going to face consequences. But when they get caught, right? Because we're constantly seeing on the news, people are committing crimes. And then we're hearing the headlines a few days later. You know, a, a person who kidnapped a person got caught. Person who did the hit and run got caught. Was just arrested. So the person who beat this other person up just got arrested. Uh, found two two states over. Whatever. We always hear some type of a a news a, a news heading a he he moment right of a follow up that may have happened. And in that time, what what happens is. Other people hear about it, right? We're constantly hearing in our own neighborhoods and beyond our neighborhoods what's happening to other people because of the bad things that they've done. And this is what God is saying here. Like, it's not just that I'm going to do these things to Israel because of their sins, but the people, their surrounding, their neighborhoods, you know, the surrounding areas within their vicinity is going to see the judgment I'm going to place on them. They're going to be witnesses to that. You know, there's nothing like <clears throat> learning from seeing an example that's bad. <laughs> and I, what I mean by that is, you know, you have a friend, you have a neighbor, whoever it is, a co-worker, or even a family member, and you see they're doing the wrong thing, right? You see they're doing the wrong thing, whatever that wrong thing is. And you're witnessing what they're doing, and then all of a sudden you witness the circumstance, they either get arrested, they go to prison, 
they either get caught in the crossfire, they get killed, right? So that you being a witness to what's happened in, in that scenario, in that situation. And hopefully you'll wake up and smell the coffee and be like, I can't do that. I'm not doing that. Or if you were doing it along with them, you'll stop doing it. Because you're like, oh my God, they face these consequences. I could face consequences too. I could, you know, I could get, I, I could be found out. I could be murdered. I could be attacked. Right? I, and you know, guys, I know this stuff is very deep. But here's the problem. You know, many people don't want to have these type of conversations. Right? On our podcast, we have the conversations. <laughs> We're going to pretty much tell you, hey, this is the scenario. This is the situation. This is what we're facing today. We're not here to sugarcoat anything. We're not here to hide anything, put anything under the rug. We're here to expose everything according to God's word. God's word exposes everything. And that's why I say in his word, if it's being exposed, how do we apply it to our lives? Because things, as we always say, history repeats itself. We need to ask ourselves, am I in a situation like this right now? what's being identified here what God is speaking about because if you are doing damage to someone to a situation to a place you're gonna face consequences God will expose it and then other people will see what happens with you there'll be witnesses to the situation and not only that it's because the people who are doing the wrong thing, they don't know what they're doing. They're confused. They're caught up. They got enticed, lured into stuff they weren't supposed to be doing. You know, and that's what happens because the minute you start to entertain just a little bit of sin, it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger what, you're, what you are doing in your life and how it's going to impact you. And how it's going to impact others, especially close loved ones in your life. What happens is after a while, the more sin people continue to do because they feel it gives them a livelihood. It gives them success. It gives them power, status, whatever it might be. They fail to realize that eventually if that gets exposed, if that gets revealed, if the hat, the cat is out the hat, (laughs) the rabbit is out the hat, like they say, There's going to be major, major issues, consequences to face. And then there will be other people who will see and be witnesses to that situation. And then it says here, therefore, thus says the Lord God, an adversary shall be all around the land. He shall sap your strength from you and your palaces shall be plundered. In other words, God's going to allow other people to come and infiltrate your situation, your camp, your location. You know, your your livelihood, your home. Because look, when we we are speaking about specifically at the time of Amos, because of the fact that they did this sin and they did not turn away from it, and they disrupted themselves with, you know, uh, not having peace anymore in the situation because God will allow someone to come in and disrupt it, disrupt your life. At the same time, uh, the people who were uh, scattered as well because of the circumstance of the sin at the time of Amos, 
as Amos was predicting to the people that this would happen, like if you don't stop sinning and you don't stop doing wrong and you don't stop in your tracks, God is going to allow someone else to come in and make your life miserable. God will allow someone else to come in and infiltrate your belongings, confiscate them, rob them. You know, he'll allow other people to come in and be uh, a nuisance to you because of the sins that you're committing. And some of you might be like, well, what do you mean by that? So an example would be this. Let's say you're a bully. You know, the word bully has been big for many years now. It's been used in so many scenarios, right? Kids always getting bullied in school. We didn't call it bullying during my time growing up. That word never came out. Uh, I, I, you know, even if somebody was beating me up in seventh grade, because, you know, a lot of people did, one person did beat me up, and several people tried to beat me up. But after the first time, I kind of learned my lesson, like, I have to protect myself, and I had to do it rightfully. <laughs> but, you know, there are, there, are, there are people that, right now, they're dealing with bullying, you know? And um, when you're dealing with bullying, there's someone who's picking on you. There's someone making fun of you. There's someone who's mocking you. Someone who might be doing something bad to you. You know, whether that is, um, you know, if, if you're in school and they go and they break into your locker, maybe they steal some of your stuff. Maybe they go and they grab uh, a, a spray can of uh, graffiti spraying paint. And then they, you know, I, I'm telling you, like bullying is just happening. It's happening in schools. It's even happening at work. Even now, the office spaces of uh, corporate America and adulthood is using the word bullying, that people are being bullied at work. Even at, you know, in this day and age of uh, maturity, people are using the word bullying. So look at it like someone's bullying you, someone's picking on you, someone's making fun of you, someone's mocking you, someone's like disrupting your life. They really are... Uh, Maybe even beating you up, <laughs> like it happened to me in seventh grade. But when that situation happens, it happens to those who are innocent, and it also could happen to those who are not so innocent. So if you yourself are a bully, right? Let's flip the switch here now. If you are now the bully, you've always been the bully, you're the guy or the girl who picks on everybody, you make fun of people all the time, especially if you're a teenager listening to me or middle school, even in college, who knows, high school, and you're constantly been the person who's been picking on people, well, that's a sin in God's eyes. We know that. And you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't, mis you shouldn't be mistreating people, picking on people disrespecting people, doing things that you're just not supposed to towards people. And because you're not supposed to be doing that, God sees that. And what will he allow? Another bigger bully than you to come along and now start picking on you, infiltrate your situation, you know, bring you down, <laughs> you know, uh, ruin your reputation of bullying. <laughs> you know, now you become the victim. Listen, there's a lot of things that are happening in this world. And a lot of people are like, you know, well, why would God let things happen like this? Because we have to evaluate ourselves and say, what situation have I placed myself in where it is not good in God's eyes? And then now I'm facing consequences because of that. 
So in this scripture right here, God is saying, they're going to allow someone else to come in and infiltrate the land. They're going to allow someone to come in and take control of you. They're going to allow someone else to come in and pick on you and mock you now. You're not going to become the victim, right? <laughs> you know, because you haven't been innocent of what you've been doing, right? And then you might say to yourself, why is this happening to me? Because you've done it to other people. You know, there's this thing that goes around where sometimes people are like, I don't know why they're tweaking me. They're speaking to me disrespectfully. And meanwhile, that person for the past 20 years has been treating someone disrespectfully, has always spoken to people disrespectfully, right? It's just that a lot of times you don't see the sin you're committing. Like we read in the previous um, passage here, sometimes they just don't know what they're doing. They don't realize they're doing the wrong thing. It takes someone else to come and give them a wake-up call. So they're like, oh, I was doing that all this time? That's why sometimes even in our lives, when we have pride, we don't even realize we have pride. And then all of a sudden, you know, pride comes before the fall. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, what happened? How, how, did, how could this have happened? Well, because you have pride with you the whole time. <laughs> just, just speaking... What's going on here, right? We, we need to dissect this like we always do. And then it says here, when it says you're in your pl- palaces shall be plundered, that's being torn down. That That's, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people going around with, with chips on their shoulders today. Just like at the time of Amos. They were going around with a chip on their shoulder. They were um, disregarding God's commandments. They were doing whatever they wanted to do for themselves. And... Most of the time, as well, they were, you know, being their usual selves and not thinking about others and hurting others. And in this situation, God will bring bring that down. God will plunder it. You know, whatever you built, whatever uh, pedestal you built for yourself, God will bring it down. I have to constantly remind myself every day. That the goodness of the Lord that exists in my life and the things he has blessed me with. I cannot say that I put myself there. I have to constantly be reminded and give the credit to my Heavenly Father. That he's placed me there. That he's given me the opportunities, right? I was in a conversation yesterday because I've been attending a, a conference this whole weekend. And um, someone was talking about, you know, how you get the statuses to be where you are in the entertainment industry and they were like saying to me like well you can consider yourself now an expert because you've been through it and I'm like no I don't I don't consider myself an expert I've been through it yes of course I've faced challenges absolutely I've been ridiculed many times I've been rejected many times I've been told no about a lot of my projects But I've learned from all of that. It's not that I'm an expert now at it. (laughs) It's because God is allowing me to learn something new every day. So I'm still learning something new every day. I don't put myself on a pedestal like that. I don't say, you know, I'm better than someone just because I've endured this or because I've been in it for a while or many years. I I say, no, I'm still learning. I'm still humbling myself and saying, you know, my Heavenly Father has brought me to this to this place and the season in my life I honor him and I credit him for all the blessings he's given me but also I'm very humble because I know that every day I'm still applying myself and I'm still learning and he's always allowing me to see things from his 
from his way of, of seeing things. And you know, a lot of times, my friends, um, when we could be a witness to what someone else has endured or suffered, unfortunately, we should be learning a lesson. But what happens in today's society is that we can even see the people around us facing consequences and um, their lives being turned upside down. And we don't see it as an example at all. We don't see it as something that gives us a warning sign or stops us in our tracks because everyone is so indulged in themselves and what they want to accomplish for themselves that they don't see that God has allowed them to see uh, an example of what could possibly happen to them. But they're so caught up with themselves, they become conceited, they have an ego, they're stuck up, right? That they don't, uh, they pay no attention to that warning and then they face the same consequences later on. And then it says here, as a shepherd takes from the mouth of a lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out who dwell in Samaria, in the corner of a bed and on the edge of a couch. You know, the same way that someone comes in, just like the description here, from the mouth of a lion, you know, uh, someone in, someone else is going to come in and, and take things away. Someone in, someone else is going to come in and is going to plunder the situation. Someone else is going to come in and now, you know, be the boss. Someone else, you know. So, for example, let's talk about work. You know, there are a lot of supervisors who get, who, you know, they were regular workers and then they get a promotion, right? To be like a supervisor or something. And people start to notice that the, the, the way they were when they were just a regular worker and then the way that when they become a supervisor, that personality sort of shifts and it changes. And they're not the same person or sometimes they just don't treat people the same. They start to get this chip on the shoulder or something like that. And then they start to treat you a certain way. And then the other co-workers are like, yo, dude, you are one of us. So why are you pretending like we're not being oppressed in the job? Why are you like uh, not like even trying to look out for us now that you are a supervisor? Like people start to question that. But the person gets so caught up in the status, the, the change of, um, you know, position, the authority now that they have. Now they look at themselves more superior than the co-workers that were their colleagues before. And then they start to act a certain way. But then, lo and behold, a year later, a new boss comes into town that gets hired by the company. And then that new boss now comes and starts treating that supervisor a certain way. <laughs> and then that person goes, hey, hey, wait a second. I'm a supervisor. You can't treat me that way. I'm not one of the regular workers. And that other new supervisor or boss goes, I don't care. And starts treating that person even worse than what that supervisor is treating the other workers. This happens all the time and we know it, especially in the workplace. And you didn't see that coming. Because you have only your own uh, endeavors of what you are accomplishing for yourself. And you're not thinking about anything else or anyone else until it hits you. Right? And then, um, and that's why, here's the thing. It'll come in very abruptly. It'll it'll come in and and take and take you by force. <laughs> uh, the wicked come in and take you by force, right? It'll come in and take you by force, 
And next thing you know, you're like, what happened to me? Why am I in this situation? How could this be happening to me? And my friends, we have to remember that when you're caught up in a sin and you don't deal with it right away, it's going to drive up the energy, even more of what you're doing to continue with the sin and for it to impact your life even more or the other people around you. Many times we're seeing these days in the churches that the ministers, priests, priests, um, you know, pastors, whoever's in authority sees that there's something happening in the church. Sin is being committed by somebody in the church. It is evident within the church, right? You heard me correctly, within the church. And a lot of times, pastors or the leadership in place only gives them a pacifier, like a baby, like if a baby's crying or something, you give a pacifier so you can shut up, right? So the baby could shut up, you give them that pacifier so they stop crying. Well, this is what happens here too, is that people go and they pretend like the sin's not happening. They sugarcoat it. They say, oh, that's not major. They're just going through a phase. Right? We hear sometimes these comments from our leaders in churches. That's not really happening. It's a phase. Here's the problem with that. That's a sin that they are acknowledging that is existing, but nobody's addressing it. Everybody's letting it slide by. And then that sin becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until then you see a destruction take place in the church. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, how could that have happened? Or I saw that. Some people will be like, I saw that coming. We mentioned it in one of the elders meetings, but no one did anything about it. And here we are, right? This is why when in this passage of scripture, when it's talking about that we don't deal with the sin, that sin then becomes even a greater hold on us. And the more the sin is entertained, and being allowed, we forget then how to do the right thing because we allow the wrong things to be done. Did y'all hear me? Especially in the churches. Now, some of you might be listening and going, man, that's a little harsh, Antonia. Those are the realities of life. We can talk about many stories of things that have happened in the churches. Because God's going to start the judgment first with the church. Those who are supposedly followers of Christ. Those are going to be the first people to be judged by our Heavenly Father. And then afterwards, everybody else. Because we're supposed to know better. When we gave our life over to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we surrendered all the junk 
that we used to do in our lives. We left it at the altar. We allow God to do a cleaning process in us, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit, in our soul, to get us to a different place from where we were before. So we should know better. Because we've experienced the muck we were in, God and Christ took us out of that, put us in a clean, solid foundation now, and we should be, if anything, better mentors uh, in the situation. Not, you know what? I, I, know, I experienced my life when it was a mess. God took me out of that mess, and I'm in a better place now. We know better because we experienced it. But what happens is because we think we even know better because our Heavenly Father has helped us, now we think that because we knew we know better, we can also know our own way of being and doing. That's not good. Because God is going to start with the church first when it comes to judgment and when it comes to punishment which is what we're discussing in the book of Amos all this time. God is saying, I'm going to punish the people who have done these things. And I'm breaking down to you the different communities. God's not playing. He's not playing games. He don't have time for nonsense. At the time of Amos, he didn't have time for the nonsense. And today in our age, he doesn't have time for the nonsense either. Because he's a living forever God. God will never disappear. He is always here. But what happens? We get caught up in our, with ourselves. And a lot of times in churches, when the sin is put, placed underneath the rug, next thing you know, a year later or something, it is a catastrophe with the church. You know, if, we, if we're thinking that, uh, and I'm just giving you an example, don't start to question me about who are you really talking about, Antonia. So this is not based on anyone that I may necessarily know in my life right now who's doing this, but this is an example. So let's say a pastor's child is having tendencies these days that are outside of God's word or, you know, or will for their lives. And they might be going down a road where they're starting to now identify themselves in a different light aside from their biological way of God, how God created them. Y'all know where I'm going with this. And then the leadership, the pastors in that church are like, ah, they're just going through a phase. They're teenagers. That happens. No. Someone needs to sit down and talk to that child, that teenager, and say, we need to get back into the word of God even deeper because you cannot let this temptation or these tendencies that you're feeling get in the way of the real purpose God has for your life. We need to stop. We need to intervene. We need to be intercessors. We need to be warriors for Christ. That when we see something happening that is a sin, we need to address it right away. We can't just be like, oh, they're just going through a phase. It's going to be okay. And then we've allowed a sugar coat and put it underneath the rug. And next thing you know, a year later, something drastic happens with that child. And then everybody's wondering, why did this happen? It happened because no one intervened to say, this is sin. 
And you should not be thinking this way. You know, as believers of Christ, we're constantly being challenged, my friends. We're constantly being challenged in the areas of temptations always wanting to attack us. Uh, Things surrounding us that want to tempt us, right? If we know we struggle in certain areas, we need to see God even more, deeper, We need to walk away. Some people are even bold enough that if they're living in a neighborhood and there's things happening around them in that neighborhood that is going to tempt them, may bring them down, may um, uh, lure them, will, will, you know, sacrifice their lives, things of that nature, they'll get up and they'll move because they don't want to fall into the temptation. Listen, the enemy is like a roaring a roaring, deceiving, okay, um, snake who is always around us looking for vulnerable people. And we have to constantly say to ourselves, when the enemy comes around me, I need to be able to discern it. So then I know how to use God's word to stop it, bring it down, intervene, so that that temptation, that luring, whatever it is the enemy wants to try to do in my life, does not succeed. It gets blocked. And we block things by using God's word, by praying to our Heavenly Father, by standing strong in the Lord. That's how we do those things. Many people are constantly saying, I don't know what happened uh, for one minute. It was just this. And then all of a sudden now this is this. Yes, because you never stopped in your tracks and said, hey, I'm falling into temptation. Hey, I'm being blindsided here. Hey, I'm being suckered. I'm being deceived. Let me get to God's word. Let me dive in. Let me ask God for forgiveness. Let me repent right away. Let me go to my pastor who I'm hoping my pastor will be a pastor who will grab me and say, in the name of Jesus, We're not going to allow this to happen. Like, you want leadership that's going to help you get through times of trouble in your life, especially if they're the shepherd who's supposed to be feeding you. You don't want to be around leadership where the leadership is, um, listen, we all fall short. We know that. The word says it. But you don't want to be around leaders who are sugarcoating stuff, hiding stuff, putting things under the rug and pretending it's not happening. That is not the type of leadership you want to be under. And you have to say to yourself, if I'm under a leadership right now that is sugarcoating everything and smoothing things out like it doesn't exist, something is wrong. That is a church that will fall. That is a church that will be destroyed. That is a church who will face consequences like it's saying here at the time of Amos. My friends, we have to be very aware of what's happening around us. There are leaders today that are going down the wrong road. They tell us about staying on that straight and narrow road, but they themselves are going on a different road. And they're leading a lot of their congregant members to waver into that road that's not a road that we should be following. 
But because we admire the person so much, we love the person, we think the person's cool. You know, we've been, they, you know, they've been with us for uh, so many years. We're like, well, if, if they're doing it, we should do it. Right? And this is how we know in a lot of churches, the leadership is failing the congregants because they're not leading by example. And in this situation here, what was happening with Amos, God was breaking it down of what was going to happen, who was going to be witnesses to it, right? And with the hopes that if you see something going down wrong, you'll be like, I'm not going down that route. Oh, I'm not doing that. It's like a warning sign. You take it and you're like, whoa, oh, 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 hold on a second, right? Then it says here, hear and testify against the house of Jacob, says the Lord God, the God of hosts. That in the day I punish Israel for their transgressions, I will also visit destruction on the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. God is saying it very clear here. He will testify against the house of Jacob. You know, there were so many different houses that were that were presented. When the different tribes were broken up, with the different groups of, uh, of people were broken up, different communities. And here's the thing. When God is saying that he's going to punish them for their transgression, he's also including the fact of what they did at the altars. At the altars of Bethel, where they were... Um, doing religious things systematically that were very polluted as opposed to doing things according to God's word or God's instructions because in the Bible we read on many 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 occasions where God is guiding the people on what to do with his with his guidance at the altars that are supposed to be sacred altars of God and people were taking those altars at the time of Amos and they were doing other things on there. They were doing sacrifices. Because, you know, back in the day of Amos and all these people, they were doing sacrifices unto the Lord. The Lord will require at times a sacrifice at the altar according to how he wanted the sacrifice to be. But then people at the time of Amos took it upon themselves to start doing their own sacrifices. And then they started worshiping other gods. And doing other things of ideology that were not of God on God's altar. That's a disgrace. So God is saying, I will also visit destruction on the altars of Bethel and the horns of the altar should be cut off and fall to the ground. In other words, whatever it is that they built on those altars that is not of God, that God didn't require, that God didn't ask for, he's going to come and he's going to destroy that as well. We can talk about altars today in our churches. I don't know about you, but I know when I got saved at a very, you know, back in the, in the early 2000s when I got saved, when my Heavenly Father saved me from the muck I was in, you know, I used to always hear the word, come to the altar. Come to the altar and pray. Come to the altar and kneel. The altar is supposed to be a sacred place. In a church. It's supposed to be the place where we come and it's as if we're laying our burdens and our and our uh, issues and our problems to the feet of the throne of our Heavenly Father. 
It's a place we would come with to to respect. It's a place we come um, to honor. And nowadays, we don't even refer to altars anymore. People just say in church, come to the front. Meaning, come to the front of the stage. There's not even a regard anymore for altars. There's not even a call anymore to the altars. There's not people even running to the altars. I was attending a church in the East Coast that people were running to the altar. They couldn't wait to get to the altar. Humbly, they ran to the altar. And they laid laid all there. It's a place of respect and honor unto our Heavenly Father. And today, we're using those altars not as an altar anymore. We're just using it as entertainment. You know, we're using it... um, as platforms we're just using it as a, a place to gather you know we've 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 made a very common common sense type of thing you know god's word yes it has a lot of common sense in it but god's word is to be honored god's word is to be protected god's word is to be um uh placed in our hearts. And when we talk about the altar, we have to respect the altar. We cannot do things against the altar or to the altar at that. Because what God requires of us in the altar is sacred, it's holy. It's a place for us to uh, experience the presence of God. And nowadays, when you go to an altar in a church, nobody's sensing anything. No one's sensing the presence of the Lord. You know, and that is why in this scripture here at the time of Amos, God was telling Amos to let the people know, I'm going to cut down those altars because you have disgraced my altar. You have taken the context of my altar and you've made it into something else and I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to bring it down because then I will go ahead. God will go ahead and build an altar somewhere else with someone whose heart is in the right place. My friends, this is some deep stuff we've been covering in the book of Amos. We can apply this to our lives today. You know, in your church, are there altar calls happening? You know, or are there things happening at the altar that are not kosher, that are not according to God's word? We have to, you know, we have to be very aware of our surroundings, the things we're involved in, the churches we're attending. You know, if, if, the, if I walk into a place and I do not feel the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I could walk in, it's okay, I don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's see what's going on here. Why is that? And then I see, I, I see beyond that, that there's a stale thing in the church. God's presence is not there. I don't know if I would want to stay. Because right away I know that even if someone said, come to the front, 
I, and, I, and I know that the presence of the, of the Lord is not there, I'm not going to encounter it because there's something there that maybe doesn't belong there. Y'all hearing me? That's why we have to be very careful. We have to be very, very careful and aware. And there's a lot of things going on today that are swaying people from having sacred altars. So God is saying right here to Amos, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to do away with it. Because they're doing things on the altar that are not of me. And then it says here, I will destroy the winter house along with the summer house. The houses of ivory shall perish and the great houses shall have an end, says the Lord. In other words, God is not going to let anything go unnoticed. To not face the consequences. He will also destroy anything that has been built. At the time of Amos. Now when he talks about the houses of ivory shall perish. Because remember at the time of Amos the people were doing very well for themselves. A lot of these people were, were, were prospering. They were in situations that was like amazing. They were like really having a great life. They were able to have all their homes, beautiful homes at that, you know, in all different locations. Some houses were made with specialty, you know, materials, ivory. You know, if you, if you think about ivory, uh, you know, the, the real significance of ivory, that, is, that, was, um, that was of luxury, you know, that you, you'd, you'd have a house made of ivory. That's like saying to somebody, you either want the house made out of just uh, plywood <laughs> or do you want the house made out of brick, right? And somebody might say, oh, make my house out of brick, right? Because the plywood will, in two seconds, if there's a fire, God forbid, the whole thing will be destroyed. The brick internally might be destroyed, but the out, out of it, the out of shelter of it in the brick sense will still stay We are seeing even today, in our day and age, that the things we have done in our lives to acquire things such as, you know, our homes and things of that nature. If we've acquired these things the wrong way, deceitful way, robbing somebody that way, whatever the case may be. You know, and God sees your heart and sees what you've done. That's possibly he'll allow you to lose it. We need to be good stewards of whatever our Heavenly Father blesses us with. And that's another area where people are being blessed left and right with things. And they're not being good stewards of it. God blesses us so we can be good stewards of the blessing. And as well, that blessing can multiply and then we can bless others. But many of us are not even being good stewards of the blessing. Right now, every day, my life right now, I wake up and I say, Lord, am I going down the right path I'm supposed to be going down in right now? Am I in the right job I'm supposed to be in right now? What is the next thing that you have for me, Heavenly Father, that I should be doing? I want to make sure I'm in the right places and not in the wrong places. 
I want to make sure I'm doing the right decisions and not the wrong decisions. I want to make sure I'm following your lead and not being swayed by all the other voices I'm hearing. People talk, telling me about different things I should be doing. And, you know, I'm in an industry, my friends, as you know. I work a regular job and I'm in also in the industry. But I'm in, I'm in the industry where so many people have so many different opinions of what you should be doing in the entertainment industry. Everyone has a different subjective opinion. And I always say to people, thanks for your information. But that those things, if they don't come from God, they're not for me. I got to know from my Heavenly Father that that's the route He wants me to take. That that's the place where I should be. And that's what we have to constantly be after, my friends. That you're in relationship with your Heavenly Father and you can ask Him, Lord, am I going down the wrong way? Stop me in my tracks if I am. Turn me back around. Which way am I supposed to go? We have to always be consulting with our Heavenly Father. Always. And this is what Amos was talking about. Like the people during this time who are committing sin and doing their own thing and not realizing the wrong they were doing because they were so caught up. You know, he was expressing to them that, you know, because they're going to face the consequences, you know, they're going to find themselves oppressed all over again. <laughs> you know, after God took them out of major oppressions that they dealt with in the past. You know, all their prior generations dealt with. And again, we know history repeats itself. But we should learn from the history lessons of the things that we shouldn't or should do. So my friends, I hope that this word that you heard today has resonated somewhere with you. <laughs> you know, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what he would want you to understand from this passage of scripture. Go back, reread it. Ask your Heavenly Father, Lord, what's the learning lesson that I'm going to see from this scripture at the time of Amos that, would hap that was happening to that community and how do I apply it to my life today to make sure that I don't fall into the same situation and circumstances this community fell into. We still have an opportunity, my friends, to turn away from our wicked ways, to turn away from our sins, ask for forgiveness from the Lord, repent, turn away, turn around and head back towards him for the guidance that he will give us for our lives. So I look forward to sharing the word again with you next week, my friends, where we will rise and shine with the word of God. Wake up Saturday mornings with a purpose. God bless you. Antonia Roman is the author of Confessions of a Christian Woman, A Journey in Marriage, A New Beginning. In this book, Antonia shares her personal journey in marriage and how she used God's word to help her overcome verbal abuse. Tune in next Saturday as Antonia Roman continues to dive into the Word of God. The Word of God gives you insight for the purpose in your life.